0: Why don't you stand uh, out of respect for God's word. If you're able, please stand.
1: Reading from Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, and then 16 to 18. Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast... word of the Lord.
0: Please have a seat. Thanks. Well, I got a confession to make right off. Uh, Those of you who are Facebook friends of mine, I think I've been misunderstood. On Friday, uh, I uh, posted a picture with my wife and I that we had been dating from Friday, January 30th, 25 years ago. And I uh, proceeded to get about 200 likes on Facebook, the most I've ever received, and lots of happy anniversary, happy 25 years. And I think people thought we'd been married for 25 years. That's still coming. She still have, has high expectations of that 25th anniversary. And uh, she, uh, so I thought I'd uh, clear the record right off the bat. So uh, thank you for all the good wishes, those of you who passed those along. been been... Uh, we, we fell in love. I fell in love with her 25 years ago on Friday, so that's a, that's a good thing. Best, one of the very, very, very best things that ever happened to me was her. Yeah. Actually, those of you who know us didn't need to be told that, did you? You're like, oh, yeah, of course. That's like so obvious. Uh, we're starting a, a new series this morning. Actually, it's not a new series. It's uh, the continuation of an old series, series we started last January, and we kind of played that out for a few months and uh, put a pause. We're back in on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the, the greatest sermon really ever told, and Jesus' most famous sermon certainly, found in Matthew 5 to 7. And we're going to walk through it for the next couple months, the, the next parts of it. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Matthew 6 today, and uh, it's, it's going to be good. I, I'm just expecting God to, to change our lives because of the series. That's my expectation, so let's go with that kind of heart and attitude. Um, we were having company a while back ago, and so we do what we often do when we have company over. We're not sure sometimes if they're going to make it to the upper floor where our bedrooms are. So we told our, our one son specifically, You got to clean your room. I mean, because his room was declared a bona fide disaster zone. It, it looked like there'd been small nuclear explosions or something that happened in there. My, my mom, a couple weeks ago when she was there, she says, Actually, Derwin, your son's room is worse than your room ever was. <laughs> I, I don't know what that says about my parenting or anything, but uh, it's, it's probably true. So my son goes up to his room, and there is this flurry of activity. It, it sounds like mountains are being moved, and then there's a sudden stillness that falls on the household. And, yeah, and it suddenly dawns, isn't he supposed to be cleaning? And this is a son who when he's cleaning, he'll find a a comic, and he'll sit down, and he'll start reading this comic, and but so we're we're yelling out to him, are you done? And he says, yeah, I'm done, and uh, you know, good parents that we are, we know that a parental inspection is required. We can't just take his word for it, so we walk and do a a tour of the room, and we walk into the room, and surprise, surprise, it looks pretty clean. It's like tidy. I'm like, wow, how did you How did you accomplish this? And I'm looking around and then I open the closet and and I'm almost the avalanche of clothes and junk and all this stuff flows out over on top of me. And and I look under the bed and it's as if he took everything on the floor and just shoved it under the bed. I mean, stuff is compacted in there. It's like a trash compactor. On the outside, his room looked fantastic, but look in his closet, look under his bed, and the disaster zone had really just shifted some. Um, do any of you have a closet like that? My wife uh, knew I was telling that story. She said, whatever you do, don't mention my closet. So I am not doing that. I'm going to mention her closet this morning at all. But, but I think that's the kind of story that points to our desire and our tendency to want to look good on the outside without caring so much what it looks like in our closets. The closet being our hearts and our inner motivations and our desires. We, we get preoccupied with, with how are we coming across to others? Is it acceptable? Is it good? We, we have this thing um, in North America. It's, it's something that I think is a real deal with many of us. Most of us, probably. It's called impression management. <laughs> we want to manage how we come across to um, you know other people. We want to make a good Im- impression presenting a tidy appearance to the world, and it really doesn't matter what our closets look like. Well, in, in Jesus sermon in in chapter 6 the very first word is a warning. It's it says beware, he says. Beware, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. If you were part of the series last year, you'll remember that the word righteousness uh, really has this idea of right-relatedness. It could be translated that way, right-relatedness to God. It, it's, it's kind of a, a powerful theme that runs like an electrical current all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was really concerned about this, and, and it's right-relatedness both to God and to other people. And, and really, Jesus, in, in his sermon up to this point, has been kind of unpacking what righteousness looks like in everyday life, in everyday life situations. And he says, be careful. Actually, stronger than that, he, he says, be cautious, be warned. Beware of practicing your righteousness in such a way in order to be seen by others. What Jesus is doing here in his sermon is he's taking things to a, a deeper level. He's going under the surface, deeper into our lives, deeper into our hearts, really into our closets. Dallas Willard um, talks about this passage, and he says this part of the Sermon on, Mount, on the Mount, including what comes right after. Do you remember what comes right after this? Is He, he begins talking about worry and, and money and, and the power of those things. And, and Willard says that Jesus is warning us about The two primary obstacles, the two primary barriers to living fully and freely in God's kingdom. These two things are the desire to have the approval of others and the desire to secure ourselves materially. He's he's saying these two are the biggest obstacles in in growing in intimacy with God and growing into the, the kingdom of heaven here on earth and in our midst. The desire for approval especially to appearing good, and the desire to, to secure ourselves through money and, and material possessions through stuff. Um, did you see the news highlights this week? Uh, Boston, the storm that happened in Boston. It was supposed to hit New York, missed New York, but Boston got it and some the, of the, the East Coast. And, and you know it's a bad storm when even the snow plows go in the ditch. Did you see that? <laughs> and, I, and I saw an interview of the snow plow driver, and he said the snow is so deep that it just kind of pulled me, dragged me into the ditch. And, and that's what can happen with a desire for, for approval and, and for material security. If, if we're not aware, they can pull us out of the sway of God's kingdom. They just have that drawing power. So Jesus says, beware. Be on, on guard against the tendency to practice your righteousness before other people in order to get their applause. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You could reword this, perhaps. Beware you don't miss out on what God wants to give you. Beware of practicing your righteousness, living out your righteousness in order to be seen by others. Otherwise, there's just no reward from God. By the way, I'd like to impress you today with, with my great ideas and thinking, but I've got to say today, actually, this message has been inspired by Darrell Johnson. He's one of my favorite professors at Regent when he was there. Uh, I, and this is a, a based on a class of his... Uh, That he taught called living in sync on the Sermon on the Mount and so he inspired a a lot of what I'm saying today And so I want to give him credit for that, but Daryl Johnson. He puts it this way. He says Jesus concern is what? authentic spirituality Jesus wants us to have authentic connection and interaction with the living God That's his desire and so he warns us to take care that we do this and he specifically names three things three disciplines Three practices, we might call them, uh, for those of you who are in the series in the fall, three parts of our trellis. Um, three practices, by the way, that are common to, to most of the religions in the world. Giving, praying, and fasting. Now, what do those have in common, those three, three areas, those three disciplines? They're actually all core ways that we connect with God and enable us to live freely in his kingdom life. And, and Jesus doesn't discourage the practice of these practices. They're actually good. He he doesn't say, if you give, if if you pray, if you fast. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. These are kind of core spiritual disciplines. And and Jesus is assuming that if you are going to be his follower, that you're going to want to give, and and you're going to want to pray, and you're going to want to fast. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, be on your guard not to do these things in order to be noticed by people for the applause of others. Um, now, before we uh, go any further, this uh, could appear to be a contradiction to what Jesus has already said in the Sermon on the Mount. If you go back to chapter 5, uh, do you remember what he said? Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. seems he's calling you to let your deeds be known. Matthew 5, keep them visible. Show them off. Matthew 6, keep them invisible. As Gandalf says, keep them secret. Keep them safe. just wanted to quote Lord of the Rings somewhere in my message today. Sorry. (laughs) How do we do that? Uh, Well, first of all, it's understanding that they're not really in conflict. It, It all comes down to, again... What's in the closet? What's on the inside? It all comes down to motive, heart stuff. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, isn't content with just addressing behaviors. He doesn't want you just all prettied up on the outside. He wants to actually deal with your heart. And Why? Matthew 5, what is the motive for visibility in Matthew 5? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. In Matthew 6, the motive... For visibility is bringing glory to whom? Me, us, right? In Matthew 5, the goal is to display how good God is. In Matthew 6, the goal is to display how good we are. A.B. Bruce, a commentator a century ago, put it this way when commenting on this passage. He said, we are to show when tempted to hide, and we are to hide when tempted to show. How profound is that? We're, we're to show when we're tempted to hide God's righteousness. We're to hide when tempted to show our righteousness. In Matthew 6, Jesus is kind of protecting these, these practices. These are good practices. You've got to do these in your life with me. But, but you want to be careful. It's so good when we learn to give and, and pray and fast because these, these practices actually deepen our relationship with God. So in Matthew 6, Jesus isn't saying no one should ever know. Someone put it this way. It's not about public worship, but the issue is about publicity. Why do we put money in the offering bag? For whose ears are we praying? Uh, For whose eyes do we do any sacrificial act or deed? For whose glory are we living? Um, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. And uh, that makes me a PK. You know what that stands for, right? Pastor's kid. I, I actually stand with some great company. I mean, there's some, some great infamous pastor's kids. Actually, Katy Perry was singing at the Super Bowl halftime this afternoon. Katy Perry was a pastor's kid. Uh, Alice Cooper, famous rocker from the 80s, heavy metal guy. Yeah, yeah, pastor's kid. Yeah. And then there's me. Explain something here. Um, uh, any pastor's kids in the, in the, in the house here today? Yeah. Ooh. PK. Yeah. Hey. There you go. We, we support. We have an ongoing support group here in the church for those who've had that kind of MKS too. Missionary kids. They they they're trouble as well. Um, just all of us. We need we need help. All of us. I mean, all of you need help as well. Uh, and we have support groups for everyone. But uh, there was this immense pressure growing up. And and for those of you who, who've experienced that unique position in church life, there's an immense pressure to play the part, to look the part. It's interesting to me that when I was young and I, can, I, I have very distinct memories of my childhood of really wondering and questioning and doubting whether God was real. It took me a long time. It actually was when I was 17 that I became convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was real. And during that, that season beforehand, I, I doubted a lot. I'm like, I know, it, I know he's real for my mom and my dad, and I know he's real for the rest of the church, but I'm not sure about me. But you know what? You never would have known it by my behavior in church or what came out of my mouth in our community because I knew how to act the part. I knew how to sing the hymns the right way and, and, and how to, to, to smile when I greeted older members of the church. I, I remember very specifically, I had a flashback this week of a prayer meeting that I attended as like a nine-year-old, and, and, and I actually ventured forth to pray in this adult prayer meeting. I got dragged along as a pastor's kid. And uh, having a, 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 an older uh, lady pat me on the head afterwards saying, that was a really beautiful prayer, son. That was a really beautiful prayer. I knew how to pray. I knew how to act the part. And actually, uh, what I found was it, it, it did nothing in, in which to connect me with God or, or flourish me spiritually. Behind the scenes, I was a doubting boy, and and part of my journey with God has been learning to not pretend anymore. <laughs> that what God wants for me is He wants a genuine worship. He, he wants me to be real. He wants me to to walk with Him authentically. He wants that for for us. I, I uh, if I have a passion for us, I I, I one of the reasons I I don't tr- overly dress up for being up the front here is is. Part of the reason is because I know that has nothing to do with my relationship with God or not. Garrett, you wore a jacket, though, so I'm sure that means you're a little bit closer to God than I am. or I don't know. Um, Every once in a while, I'll be be, uh, counseling somebody in my office, and uh, they'll be sharing some some sort of heartbreaking thing, and and they're trying to put a a nice spin on it, but finally something just comes out, escapes from their lips, maybe an expletive or a swear word and they're all shocked. They feel terrible that they've portrayed this part of them, and I I actually feel like a little bit of relief because in that moment, they've not been pretending. It's not necessarily a good thing that they're swearing in the pastor's office, but it's a good thing that they're being real about their pain or their hurt, and and, and, and that they're in, in process. They've got a closet. They're not all together, and we're striving people to become that kind of community here at Hillside. That's one of our our primary aims is that we would be the, the, the real deal here, that, that we would not pretend spiritually and all wear masks and so on. So stay on guard, Jesus says. Be careful as to who you're doing your righteous deeds for. Now, I want to talk about five things, five things uh, that can help us understand these things. Again, thank you to, to Daryl Johnson for these five observations. Five things. First thing. By warning us here, Jesus is reminding us that we are all actors in a grand drama. To make this point, Jesus actually uses words from his acting world, from the acting world of that day. The word, in order to be seen, is the Greek word from which we get the English word theater. It means performing for an audience. Um, The word hypocrite is a word that means actors that take a mask and play the part of others. That's what a hypocrite is. We're all actors in a grand drama. Uh, Question, whose part are we playing? Our part or somebody else's? Um, C.S. Lewis, he famously prayed a prayer that that is kind of lodged in my brain and, and pushes me towards this kind of authentic spirituality. He prayed, may it be the real I that prays, and may it be the real you to whom I speak. That's it. We're all actors. We're all playing a part. This leads to the second thing. We're always acting before an ever-present live audience. It's more like a play than it is a film. It's not a bunch of takes. It's all, it's all real. But three times Jesus says in this section, your father who sees what is done in secret. God sees. God knows. God's watching. Uh, this is really clear in, in, in Hebrews. Nothing in all creation is hidden from your sight. In Psalm 139 you might remember that you have searched me O Lord and you know me You know when I sit and you know when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways He, He goes on to say if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light with you That says there are no secrets with God He's watching. He knows everything. Our, our, our Father in heaven knows everyone. Every, every thought we think, every emotion we feel, every word we speak, every breath we take, every move we make, every step we take, I'll be watching. God says, not sting. This can be an incredibly comforting thing, actually. Um, our family went and saw the film Selma this last week. And uh, incredible film. I, I commend it to you. And in that film, Martin Luther King Jr. is portray, portrayed as, as greeting a grandfather. They're standing outside of a morgue looking at this grandfather's son who'd been shot in a demonstration. And it's a powerful scene. As Martin Luther King Jr. just slowly approaches, you know, that uh, you can say so many wrong things in those moments. And what he says to this man is, is God was the first to shed a tear for your boy. God was the first. God's the first to care. He's the first to see. How do you ra- respond to that news? That, that God is present. Many uh, find it actually too hard to deal with, and so they find ways to kind of avoid that idea or ignore it or pretend. Probably most of us that sometimes in our lives have tried to hide from God, have tried to run. This goes right back to Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin, and then what do they do? They scurry under the bushes. Some of us uh, know how to hide, and we we do it from other people. Uh, Many of you, uh, probably most of us have on our telephones this really amazing feature. It's called caller ID. How many of you screen calls? Come on, be honest here. Yeah, you screen calls, right? You answer from some people, and you actually maybe don't from others. You let it go to the machine, uh, or that place where it shall not be named. You, just, you never pick it up from certain people. You don't want to talk to them, so you let it ring. In a sense, we can do the same thing with God. We can kind of screen out his presence. Some of us do it with noise. We're plugged in all the time. We, we got music on, or radio, or television, or, or internet, or just books. We're, we're drowning out the still, small voice. Some of it, uh, in our culture, we do it with busyness. We go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. We move so fast, we rarely are able to attend to the movements of God in our life. Some of us hide behind relationships, or cynicism, or cliches, or, or alcohol, or drugs. Ironically, some of us even hide behind religion and religious behaviors. That, that's kind of the ultimate hiding place, right? We act the part. We go through the motions. We, we pray to a God in our own image, to a God who expects very little of us, a God who we expect will do what we want him to do. Remember, Jesus said earlier in his sermon, beware that your righteousness surpasses that of the religious people, that of, of the Pharisees. And here's the thing. None of those hiding places actually work. I mean, for one thing, we were made by God and for God, and God hasn't given up on that plan. He's relentless. I mean, he's been called the hound of heaven. He chases us down through our, all, our whole lives. That was my experience of God. He never gives up on us. He's pursuing us with a relentless pursuit. He's going to come after us as he does in the, the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He just doesn't let them there. And he, he, he comes after them. And another thing, it's actually impossible to hide. So I'm 139. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the depths, there you are too. And so we're acting on a grand stage. We're always doing it in front of a, a live audience. And thirdly, Jesus reminds us that, well, we all want to be seen. We all want to be seen. We want to be noticed. Bono, uh, of U2, talks about this longing in his own heart. He says, what kind of hole exists in the heart of a person when they need to have 70,000 people scream, I love you, in order to to get fulfilled? We long for attention. We long for affirmation. We long for uh, approval. We want to be noticed. Even shy people, even introverts and quiet people want this too. It's not just us extroverts. We all want to be noticed. That's why it's so tempted to pray and give and fast and, and do our righteous deeds in order to be seen. Now, let me say this just to, to give you a breath here a second, that it's not a bad thing to want to be seen. I mean, it gets twisted, but it's not in and of itself wrong. Think, we were all made to want notice. What a, what a kids, what is, what's one of the first things kids say to their parents when they're doing anything, any new thing? Watch me, look at me, Right? It just comes out of us. We're very early in life, and it doesn't actually change that much when we grow into adulthood, does it? It's a little bit more unspoken, but it's just as deep. You know, notice made. We all want to be noticed. A New Testament commentator, Dale Bruner, he says this, he says, the drive to be noticed isn't simply a result of sin. It's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. We were made to notice and be noticed by God. And sometimes we think that the applause of people will suffice for us, that it's a good reward. In, in an interview a couple years ago, Piers Morgan was interviewing Howard Stern. Howard Stern is kind of an outrageous radio jockey, kind of kind of ridiculous in some ways. But at one point in the interview, Morgan said that he'd read that Stern had watched his father praise people he really respected, and that Howard had grown up craving that respect from his father. Morgan Morgan commented that Stern seemed to be driven by the need to please his parents. Piers asked, How often does your father say to you, Great show, Howard? Rarely, replied Stern. He said to me some years ago, and it really moved me, he said, You're a genius. And and I was rocked, because I never thought I'd hear those words. I I didn't think I was ever going to earn that respect in my father's eyes. I think in many ways of my career, I was searching for that approval from my father. And it's a very empty search, actually because when you get it, it's actually too late. It's like, ooh, you mean this was what it was all about? This was what it was all for? So deep, so so powerful, this desire to be seen. And what Jesus does in the sermon is he wants to redirect that desire, to, to turn that desire to the right audience, toward our Heavenly Father. And, and, get, and guess, get this, uh, the Father will notice and the Father will see. So we're all actors in a, in a grand drama. We're all acting before a live audience. We're all looking to be seen. We want to be seen. And so Jesus is saying, we will have to choose for whom will I act, for whose applause will I perform, whose, whose approval will I seek. And, and here's the, the kind of funny thing here, folks, is that it doesn't even have to be somebody else. You can actually be your own audience. You can want to look on to your own life and want to, to be uh, sort of give your own thumbs up to your own experience in life. We can be our own best audience. I mean, have you ever started to pray, and, and as you're praying along, you're going, wow, that's a really good prayer. You guys are pastors, so maybe you ever, never critique your own prayers, but I mean, it's maybe my, my problem. I'd be praying in the morning and going, wow, that was a great thought. Or I get into a, a habit where I'm really consistent reading my scripture every morning, and I, I'm going, wow, you're a really good Christian. I, I like that about you. Yeah. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I, I, I'm not alone in this, this experience. Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood this. He said this. He says, I can lay a very nice show even for myself, even in the privacy of my room, The publicity which I am looking for is then provided by the fact that I am the one who at the same time prays and looks on. We take note that we have prayed suitably well, and this substitutes the satisfaction of answered prayer. We have our own reward. We're all acting in, in a grand drama. We're all acting before a live audience. We all want to be seen, and we'll have to choose. And here's the thing. Jesus tells us, we get the reward we seek. Three times in the text, Jesus says they have their reward in full. Verse 2, 6, and, and 16. The hypocrites, they give their gifts with, with trumpets. They, they have their reward in full. Those who pray in, in such a way to impress others, they have their reward in full. Those who fast, making sure that people notice, they have their reward in full. If I If I give to demonstrate how generous I am or to people how, how caring I am, I get what I seek, people's applause, and that's it. If I if I pray to show people my spiritual insight and theological depth and, and what a wordsmith I am, people will notice, people will applaud. But that's it, payment in full. And here, here's what I found, because I, I, I've been on this, this track at times. I mean, uh, uh, in my role, a public role like I have, Often it's very, very tempting to to get kind of dragged by the snow into the ditch. I I found how this is so fleeting. I mean, mean just how quickly people forget how impressed they were with you. (laughs) And then how empty that feeling is. Impressing people. Getting their attention. It's actually not that much of a reward. As Stern said, is this what I've been looking for? But if we give simply because... It's the right thing to do. We please God. And and if we pray because we want to know the the mind and and heart of God, because ultimately we know that there's nowhere else to turn, and if we fast because we want to deny ourselves in, in some way in order to make ourselves available to God, then the Father, the one who is unseen, sees and he rewards us. What is the reward? Matthew 6.1 uh, says, The reward from your father. And Daryl Johnson points this out really well. It, it is read in some translations, the reward from your father, and it is also read the reward with your father. Which is it? It's actually the, the word para. It's, it's with, the reward with your father. Para is the word from which we get parachute uh, and paralegal, uh, paraclete, the one who comes alongside us. The reward is to be with the Father, to be taken into his company, to enjoy his presence. I mean, think about what greater reward is there than that. What could we possibly get from God that would be greater than being with God? Let me again begin, uh, sort of wrap up uh, our thoughts here this morning by, by telling you a story. Trey Robinson, uh, pastor of a church in uh, in Boise, Idaho, he shared the following story in an article I read this week. He writes, "Early in my life as a believer, I'd become very involved in my church's ministry to China. To to help send our people, we decided to raise money to pay half their airfare and travel. Brent, our pastor, had the idea of collecting and selling used newspapers for recycling to raise the money." We began to implement this idea of recycling newspapers and we were so successful at it that we managed to raise thousands of dollars through our efforts the only problem was that it took a massive amount of work and all of it had to be done by volunteers i was one of those volunteers and every sunday after church i I took my family to a large retirement complex to do a weekly pickup we'd drive two vehicles to church each sunday my truck and our family car the retirement center was on our way home so We'd all work for about two hours, going from building to building, picking up the papers that the folks would save for us. Every Sunday, we'd fill the the truck bed with papers. Then Nancy would take the kids home while I returned to the church to empty the truck into a storage shelter. Doing the job was okay for a while, but after several months, it started to get old. Usually, there were people at the church to help, but one time, I distinctly remember unloading my truck back at the church all by myself. It was hard unpleasant work, and it was a cold, windy afternoon. I was about halfway through when the thought hit me that I wasn't really having fun at all, and I felt all alone, and I felt very unappreciated. I wanted to be noticed. I wanted more than anything else for Pastor Brent to drive by and see me laboring away at his stupid fundraising idea. I was tired of no one knowing I'd been doing this job week after week for months. I hated being invisible, and I wanted to quit. I threw down a bundle of papers and plopped on top of the growing pile of what seemed like a lot of trash. That's when I prayed a prayer of complaint to the Lord, saying, Please, Jesus, I just want someone to notice me. You can pray that prayer here. you're a safe place to do it. And that's when Jesus answered me in a still, small, but very clear voice, saying, I do notice you, Try. You're not invisible to me. It wasn't that he was upset with me or rebuking me. It was just a matter-of-fact but tender comment. You're not invisible to Jesus. He sees. He knows. When we do any act of service in his name and for his glory, he's so pleased. So Jesus warns us. He, he, he says, be, be on your guard. When you serve, when you give, don't announce it to anyone, not even to yourself. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Just give. Just give does that mean it can't be thoughtful? No. Does that mean you can't get a tax receipt? It's ironic that we're handing out tax receipts for giving this, this morning. And actually, that's just a thoughtful way of giving that, that is, in some ways enables you to give more. And so that's not a bad thing. It's, it, the, the thought here is not those kind of things. The thought is, do it for the right motive. Do it to please God. Give to do it for God. Um, perhaps for somebody it might be an occasionally a good habit to actually practice is to do it so no one knows. A bag of groceries on a single parent's doorstep where nobody sees that it was you. A gift that is unreceded. Those kind of things. What about prayer? Well, remember that prayer is not a theatrical display. It's a conversation with your father who is in secret. Remember, it's a a family relationship. If you want to tell your mom if i want to tell my mom i love her should i go out into the street and holler it out i love my mom actually i would do that but it's more meaningful for me to hug my mom and draw her close and whisper in her ear i love you mom that's the kind of relationship that god wants us to foster with himself when you fast to withdraw from something for a time to in order to draw near to god don't don't draw attention to your sacrifice do it for god He knows, he he sees, he's he's watching. Know that his his attention is what you are really longing for most. Know that his reward is best. You know, sometimes it it helps me to be honest uh, that this desire to impress and this desire to, to please, to be noticed, even with my sermons on a Sunday morning. You see, when I look at my heart, I realize how mixed up my motives are. And so I pray a prayer every Sunday morning before I come up here and preach. I say, Lord... You know that there's a part of me, a piece of me, that wants to impress and wants to please others. And I, uh, I wanted to say, God, you know that about me. But I pray that you'll use me this morning in spite of me and that it will be you that gets the glory. And I pray that. It's an honest prayer. And you know what's funny is when I'm honest with God about who I, who I really am and when I'm real with him, it's, it's such a relief. <laughs> and funny, in those moments I sense both his pleasure and his approval. It's so cool, even as I confess my desire to impress others. That's maybe a starting place for you this morning. You know, I started by telling you about my son's closet and what a disaster it was. As a gift to my son a few months ago, I agreed to help him clean his room. We tackled his dresser, and, and, which you couldn't open the drawers. And we tackled his closet, and we, we moved his entire bed and, and took all this stuff garbage bag after garbage bag after garbage bag of recycling and garbage and things to give away and we came to the vacuum and dust cloths and the place looked spotless afterwards and you could see the joy on my son's face he just beaming with happiness at this clean clean room and I thought he needed my help to clean his room it was never going to happen on his own how much more do we need our father's help to deal with the closets in our lives how much more Let's uh, invite the worship team forward. Why don't you bow your head with me and let's pray. So, Father, we, uh, we all have closets. But we like to pretend on the outside that we have it together and we like to, to be noticed and we like to be seen. Father, I, I pray this morning that you would take that very good desire and direct it towards you. That it wouldn't be our parents that we're trying to please, that it wouldn't be other, other Christians that we're trying to please, that it would be you alone. Father, I pray uh, for those obstacles in our lives, I think of those obstacles, the desire for approval and to secure ourselves materially. And, and I pray you would, um, you would deal with those in our lives, God, in a deep way. We want you to ask, I ask you, you're a good soul, Doctor Jesus. And we pray you do your work in our hearts. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.